Greetings, you're watching the online ministry from St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Burrell. My name is Adam Draycott. It's great to be sharing this time together uh, with you. This ministry has been prepared for the 25th of June, 2023. Our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 27. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? They are words of great confidence. And with the same confidence, let's enter into a time of praise. Let's bow our heads for the collect prayer. God of wisdom and love, without you, 
we are not able to please you. Mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may direct and rule our hearts in all things. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As we come to the ministry of God's Word, our Bible readings come from Psalm 47. That's a good one to stand up and declare together. and invites you to clap your hands. You could give that a go as well. Our Bible readings also come from Acts chapter 15. Uh, you can read as much or as little of that as you like if you're meeting uh, as a congregation. Uh, but I will be preaching through Acts 15, uh, beginning at verse 1 and ending in chapter 16, verse 5. Let me pray. Our loving Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us through your word. Our Father, we thank you that we can share together now with our Bibles open. Speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Lead us in the way of repentance and faith. Uh, give us grace, Father, uh, that we might glorify you all the more. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. What would you do for the sake of the gospel? There's plenty we might do for employment. Get trained, travel, relocate cities, maybe even countries. Put in the hours. We'll invest a lot for a job. There's plenty that we might do for family too. I know a bloke that gave his kidney to his brother. That's something. Parents and children, what would a parent not do for the sake of their child? Don't give up a meal, endure financial stress, cover a debt, cover failure, cover sin. Would you compromise your faith on account of your children? Now there's a question. What about the gospel? Last week, Paul and Barnabas staked their very lives on the gospel as they travelled uh, their first missionary journey. It was the hostile away game, if you remember it. Now we turn to Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Verse 1, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, it says. Antioch is where disciples were first called Christians in chapter 11. It's where Paul and Barnabas uh, spent a whole year teaching great numbers of people. Antioch is where they set sail, from where they set sail on their first missionary journey. It's been home for a while. But strife has appeared. Verse 1, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Uh, on this issue, in chapter 11, verse 18, the Apostle Peter had success persuading circumcised believers. 
in Jerusalem back then, uh, they heard Peter's story. Uh, they had no further objections. And they praised God, saying, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. It was, yay, good news. But now time has passed. We're in chapter 15. And it seems that some really do object. They'll object so much, they're going to walk 467 kilometres, so they mean business, 300 miles, to Antioch. They'll do it without authority to make their point. And for Paul and Barnabas, there's no persuading them. They don't have the success that Peter did. They're not able to change their minds. And how can you change your mind when you've walked so far? There is sharp debate. This is serious. Because uh, the gospel is at stake. Question, what would you do for the gospel? Would you contend for the truth of it? Because that's what Paul and Barnabas are going to do. Look at verse two, second part of verse 2. Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. Would you do that? Would you walk 300 miles and walk 300 more just to be that man that would walk 300 miles to fall down at your door? Would you do that? Well, that's what these guys do uh, for the cause of the gospel. Uh, verse 3, the church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted this news made all the believers very glad when they came to Jerusalem. Now they've arrived. They've walked their 300 miles. They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Notice their strategy here isn't to accuse or gossip or run the opponents down. Their strategy is to talk about the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. But it's also a trigger, because look at verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. These guys are Pharisees. The party of. <laughs> Sounds fun. They're believers. But what else are they? They're wrong true today. Some believers are downright weird with what they believe. I don't get it. And they're vocal and they can be disruptive just like this lot and it's painful. Let's be honest. Notice the next verse. Verse 6, having considered the question, this leadership group addresses the Jerusalem church publicly and then they put it into a letter to Antioch which goes other places as well. Uh, and so what, what is ahead now is three speeches and one letter. Again, what would you do for the gospel? See, these guys are uncompromising in their commitment to the truth of the gospel. See, these guys also showing leadership. They're submitting to one another in their leadership and to God the cause of the gospel. Verse 6, 
The apostles and elders met to consider this question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. We just remembered that, didn't we? That story from chapter 11, verse 18. Circumcision group would be like, well, yeah, all, all of that's really fine and all, but they need day surgery too. Verse 8. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. If you know Romans, this is chapter 2, verse 29. It's not about the outward. A relationship with God has always been a matter of our hearts. By the Spirit, by faith, God does the cleansing without distinction. That's what we need to see. Hear what Peter is saying to the circumcision group. The Holy God poured out his Holy Spirit into unholy people, now making them holy. God did that. God took up residence in the hearts of filthy, unclean, impure, gentile dogs. God did that. God accepted them. The gospel's for everybody. But I hear you saying, somehow that's not enough. That what God himself has done is somehow inadequate. That what God did, that miracle that God did, is not sufficient for salvation according to you. This is what they're saying. It's not enough for acceptance. That even though God has poured his spirit into their hearts by faith, that's, that's not enough for you. Are you serious? That somehow you've got to add to it still and supplement it. Verse 10. Now then, why do you try to test God? <laughs> by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. This is no fun for us. Why would we do it to them? The charge of testing God is very, very serious. That's Deuteronomy 6.16. Preaching ritual and law-keeping for salvation is not holy or is it commendable? This is an insult to God, Peter is saying. It's Jesus plus Sabbath. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus the sacrament. Jesus plus confirmation. Jesus plus tithes. You can enter anything after Jesus plus. Jesus plus anything does not make you right with God. It is not the means of salvation. Jesus is. Jesus plus is not the gospel. It is not grace. Jesus plus circumcision then can only be useless and cruel. It will not give you peace with God. It will not give you peace with God as it did 
didn't do for our ancestors, I should say. So verse 11. But we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. See, as Jews, Peter says, our experience of grace in the Lord Jesus is the same as the Gentile experience. So what are we talking about? Implication, circumcision, contributes nothing to salvation. Faith in such things is really no faith at all. It is not Jesus plus me and my works. That is dangerous. If it's Jesus plus something, then Christ's work is no longer sufficient. It's like, you know, coming up to a, a painter and saying, sorry, mate, you missed a bit. Can I? Great job, by the way, but you missed a bit. And, and we could do a little bit better if you just change this or add that or, or dot, 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 whatever you like. Let me say it again. We contribute nothing to our salvation. This is why it's grace. Jesus paid it all on the cross. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Do you know that verse? It says, It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Faith is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There it is. So what could we do for the gospel here? Maybe the thing that we should do for the gospel is to actually know it. To be mature with the gospel and discerning with the gospel and uncompromising with the gospel to be people growing in grace which fits our purpose to be growing in Christ to set aside my pride that I think I bring anything to the table and trust Jesus and his grace uh, that's all that I need to know that in my heart all right that's the first speech. Second speech uh, is one verse, verse 12. Right? Paul and Barnabas bear witness to God's work. The Holy Spirit comes to the Gentile people. And we read all about that in the previous chapter, didn't we? This third speech, James, the brother of Jesus, speaks up. And as he speaks, he's got his Bible open. Uh, Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, he quotes... But we pick it up in verse 16. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who will do these things, things known from long ago. This is old news. The Lord will rebuild King David's tent. It's fallen over. Restoring the kingdom means raising up the Messiah, one who we know is the son of David. The restored kingdom of God includes all nations. Old news. Ask Amos, why don't you know it? Like the olive tree in Romans 11, this is a picture of God's community. But here, 
It's not a tree, but it is intense. Here, the canopy of God's love for us in Jesus covers all who belong to him. And so the gospel is for all nations. Christianity is not a subset or a sect of Judaism. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we don't get to add to or subtract from that. This very minute, a sinner who is not circumcised, baptised or confirmed may come to Jesus and, by repentance and faith, receive freely, immediately, forever, the forgiveness of sin, the gift of the Holy Spirit and a warm welcome into God's global community. So following Peter then, James says, stop making it hard for people. What are you doing? Verse 19. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. See, I read that verse and then I go, oh, how do we, how might we make it difficult for people to be interested in God? Are we in the business of removing difficulties or obstacles for the sake of others? Are we other person-centred as we think about this? I mean, again, what would you do for the cause of the gospel? Do we want people, do we want new people growing in Christ? Is the answer yes? I hope it is. But, you know, even the circumcision group would say, yeah, yeah, we do. But not at any cost, right? They would still demand circumcision. They're still holding onto the scalpel. They're knives. They're not going to give that up. But I want to say to you, do you see here that making it difficult for people is not the way of grace? And so we must, as a church family, here at St Augustine's or wherever you might be, we must persist with the question, well, how might we make it difficult, unnecessarily difficult, for other people to be turning to God? We don't want to be obstructive, do we? Are we holding tightly to the gospel and, and grace, or are we holding tightly to customs and traditions that are unhelpful? to outsiders and seekers. We have to keep thinking about that. Alright, so what's the plan? Verse 20. Instead, alright, so don't make it difficult. Verse 20, here's the plan. Instead, we should write to them, so there's a letter, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from, the, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. Okay, and we all go, I thought he was trying to not make it difficult. What's the deal? It just sounds like they've reinvented the law and whacked it in a letter to be circulated. Verse 28 is a bit of the letter. It says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following. Well, we feel like they've been burdened. 
today in 2023 as we read this is the same stuff verse 31 the people read it they're glad for its encouraging message i don't understand have they capitulated no let me explain what i think's going on there are some things like these things in this list that jewish people all day every day deemed offensive and unacceptable for anybody they're no go um, that included the Gentiles. In verse 21, it's okay. The Gentiles knew what was the go and what wasn't. The law of Moses is heard in every town. And so if you're eat off eating food sacrificed to idols, or if you're off engaging in temple prostitution, then you are an offensive person to any Jew. They're not coming near you. They're not giving you the time of day uh, they, they, not, no, no thank you, they'll, they'll keep walking. All these things are associated with pagan religious practice. All then are inappropriate, full stop, let alone Gentile God-fearers and now believers. So this is and has always been a minimum expectation of God-fearers and it hasn't changed and now these minimum expectations are now outlined in a letter and it's applied to Gentile believers it's the minimum this is not about serving the law it's about serving the gospel if the apostles and elders are asking, how can we best serve the gospel with this issue? Then this is their answer. Why? Because it keeps the door open between Jew and Gentile for fellowship. It means that whilst ever this minimum expectation is fulfilled, the doors of fellowship are still open. The communication lines are open. Does it help save face with more conservative Jewish believers? Well, maybe, somewhat. So there's something there, maybe. But we've got to see that nobody wants to make anything difficult for anybody, and that's what it's about. No one wants another person stumbling. This is other person-centred in both ways, actually, I think. It is a compromise. It's Romans 14. It's the weaker brother kind of stuff that works both ways, I think. And so verse 31, yeah, the people read the letter and they're glad for its encouraging message. Why is it encourage, encouraging? Because the leaders are across it and they're communicating clearly. Uh, and verse 24, uh, why else? Well, they've heard that some went out from us without authorization and disturbed you, troubling our, your minds by what they said. So the hurt is acknowledged and there's comfort in a clear slap, a rebuke. Verse 28, why else is it encouraging? Because the Holy Spirit is involved. And there's one more thing. Why else is this letter encouraging? Because no one has to get circumcised. <laughs> Yay, they said. 
Now, very quickly, this section ends with two ironic stories. Firstly, there's the dispute between Paul and Barnabas, verses 36 to 41. Secondly, Paul gets Timothy circumcised, chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. And they're ironic because our passage today began with a dispute, which was resolved, and now it ends with a dispute that's not resolved. Uh, circumcision is demanded and contested at the start, but here, at the end, circumcision of all things is accommodated. What's going on? Let's talk about the fallout, the fight, the Barney. Verse 36, they both agree to do uh, another lap of their first missionary journey. This is Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas says, let's take John. Paul says, let's not. Uh, why? Well, because last week was hostile. And that's when uh, John Mark uh, bailed on them. What's he going to do this time if we go again? No thanks, says Paul. Verse 39 says, they had such a sharp disagreement about this. They parted ways. Notice, there's no theological disruption here. Okay? No one needs to go to Jerusalem and, and write letters. There doesn't need to be a meeting. These guys are just human. We don't have to be traumatized. Just relax. Why do you have to relax? Because this isn't about the trustworthiness of the gospel. This isn't what is at stake. This is about the trustworthy of John Mark who bailed on them. So, of course, it's in question. Trust matters in a team. Paul and Barnabas look at Mark and they see Mark differently. And you know what? That's okay. For Paul, doing anything for the gospel doesn't mean trusting those who have already proved themselves unreliable. He lacks confidence in, in John Mark. He's not taking him. I reckon that's okay. Barnabas, though, he'll do anything for the gospel as well. And it seems to mean a willingness to take this risk. And again, that's, that's on Barnabas. All power to you, bro. No one is right. No one is wrong. There is something that they do agree with, though. The gospel priority. And so, yeah, they split. We've got Team Paul. We've got team Paul and Silas. We've got team Barnabas and Mark. But the winner is the gospel. Because now two ministry teams head out. Gospel work multiplies. And God's goodness prevails, even amidst conflict. All right. And here's also proof. You don't have to do absolutely everything together. What about the circumcision? Well, you remember Paul got stoned in Lystra last week. Well, they're back. And Timothy, this is his hometown, chapter 16, verse 1. Verse 2, he's got good references. Verse 3, he wants to recruit him. Timothy's about 20. Verse 3, but for the sake of the Jews. There it is. For the sake of the Jews, or because of the Jews, he had Timothy circumcised. This is not for salvation. This is not for the sake of the law, it's for the gospel. And it's probably not the only thing that, uh, these guys did. I, I, I can't imagine Paul and Timothy flouting the Sabbath or eating bacon sambos in these places. That's not the way of love. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. If you want to impose circumcision as a matter of salvation... 
Paul is against you. But where there is no demand and where it serves to accommodate gospel acceptance, then there's nothing Paul won't do for the gospel. And there's nothing Timothy won't do either. He will count the costs so that Jewish ears are open to hearing the good news of Jesus and the gospel. So it begs the question, what would you do for the sake of the gospel? Will you be uncompromising about gospel truth? Will you do anything not to make it difficult for others? Will you count the cost? All the way through, these guys are so other people-centred without compromising the gospel. We are saved by grace, absolutely. Jesus paid it all, absolutely. Will we then go out and show uncompromising grace to others that they might be one for Christ also? What would you do for the gospel? Amen. Oh, yeah.
Give us eyes to see you answer prayer this day. Hear us praise all you've done. We rejoice as we receive the victory come to a time of prayer. Uh, prayer is what Christians do. So I encourage you to take some time uh, to think of some concrete things that you're thankful to God for and uh, spend some time in praise and thanksgiving to God. Uh, as you petition God, uh, there is a list on the blue screen that's about to follow uh, that offers some helps in that regard. And maybe some helps with thanksgiving too. Uh, as you come to the passage, there are things to be thanking God for. We can thank God for his grace. That we can say, yes, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus uh, that we are saved. Uh, that everybody uh, can be saved. My experience is the same experience as these guys. Um, God's gospels for all. And so we are all part of the new community, God's kingdom. David's fallen tent has been rebuilt in Christ Jesus. We can thank God for that. Um, uh, we can pray for our missionaries uh, who, who kind of do this. Uh, they count the cost and uh, they go with this message of grace, um, uh, thinking and speaking and acting in ways uh, where barriers are removed, where obstacles are broken down so the good news of Jesus uh, can be proclaimed to open and welcoming ears. Pray for Andy and Margie, uh, Gil and Ruth, um, our other partners like Open Doors and uh, the work of Compassion do a great job loving children in the name of Jesus. We commend these things to you. Thrown forever. Mm -hmm. 
close with these words of encouragement from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, 9 and 10 It is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So may God be glorified as we go out and as we seek to do this. Amen.